everybody, this is Joe, the host of the Meet in a Tavern podcast. Welcome into Season 3. This is um, officially Episode 1 of our characters, but we did record and produce and publish an Episode 0 prologue, which is a little long, but it does give a very good introductory vibe into the world and the campaign that we're about to do. So go check that out. Thumb some things in there you don't want to miss. And go follow us on Twitch. We um, stream all of our episodes. We This is episode one, and we will be streaming episode two tomorrow night. That's Thursday, March 3rd at 8.30 p.m. if you're listening to this on release day. So um, you can listen to this episode and then go right into checking out the, the next one um, on Twitch tomorrow night. So, um, yeah, twitch.tv slash ymiatavern. Uh, other than that, enjoy the uh, first episode of You Meet in a Tavern presents Noir. small town in eastern Kentucky. What is that small town and what's it like? Well, there's only one of us that is born here and still living here. Who's that, you? No. Brian's character. Oh, Brian's character. All right. We're based out of uh, Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Small town uh, down in eastern Kentucky, like you said. Uh, Really small, just kind of homey feel. There's no real big stores. Um basically just a, a combination all you know kind of wrapped around the city of Prestonsburg one road in all right so Prestonburg Kentucky is uh, where you guys are generally uh, we'll say that we're downtown uh, to the extent Prestonburg has such a thing a collection of buildings um, small businesses and things like that um, it is the 1920s so a little older than you would probably see if you went to Prestonburg today, which is a real place. Um, and amongst the uh, various, you know, general stores, um, you know, it's back in the day, there's probably a hardware store uh, before Walmart made everything into a one-stop shop. Um, you know, hardware store, candy store, um, conspicuous lack of any bars because we're in prohibition and it would be illegally to... Uh, traffic in alcohol um, and one of the key features of downtown Prestonburg is the Shining Light Funeral Home and Kirk isn't it Shining Hope? Shining Hope, Shining excuse Hope. me well, Shining Hope. Uh, next door me. to Shining Light <laughs> yes, there's right. Shining Light Funeral Home <laughs> and next door to that is Shining Hope which is the one that Kirk told me the name of a few minutes ago Shining Hope, excuse me um, and uh, Kirk why don't you tell me a little bit about um, what that place is and go ahead and introduce your character as you do so. Uh, Shining Hope Funeral Home is, of course, the small funeral home of Prestonsburg. It also has the uh, coroner area for the county that we're in, which somebody knows, um, and that's not me. 
but whatever county we're in, we also have the, the coroner's office back there as well. Um, and behind the funeral home uh, sprawling out is the, the cemetery for the town as well. Um, Yaps Flannery, Yancey Yaps Flannery is my character here. Uh, born in Bandana, Kentucky, which is another small town in Kentucky. Uh, lived a very ad- average life in his late 20s, was drafted to serve in World War One. Uh, after basic training and doing a stint on the front lines, Yaps did not want to die in the trenches. Using his silver tongue, he talked his way into being reassigned to the moral uh, morale-boosting theater group for the soldiers. Post-war, Yaps began theater acting and getting lesser roles in silent films. Where Yaps really found his groove was being the go-between between film stars and the illegal booze that was going on. Wheeling and dealing, acting, and strong enough to not get rolled by the degenerate Shine Runners, things for Yaps were looking good. That was until the Shine Runners, uh, the Shine Runners uh, set him up, and the actors and film stars that he was supplying rolled on him. A blacklisted actor with a record, Yaps lands back in Kentucky, shilling coffins and maybe more. And that is Yaps Flannery. Um, Character art time. Yep. Let's yep, go ahead and throw it up there, and we'll uh, we'll talk through it. While it's up there, eh? Boom. So, of course, we are dressing up. I love up. that one. That's my favorite one. <laughs> we, are, uh, we, are, we are dressing up as our characters, so I tried to keep something at least along line that I could mimic. So, of course, uh, mustache, uh, brown hair, brown mustache, green eyes. Um, you see my character there, you know, uh, forest green vest, the arm garters, the pork pie hat, um, and unlike me, this, this gentleman is a complete Adonis and just a really, really good looking and just kind of suave, charismatic, uh, person. Um, and also, you know, with his imposing size, kind of a bully. So that is Yaps Flannery, the funeral director of Shining Hope Funeral Home. All right. Succinct enough? Who's Did up, I get it? Who's, I get up, it who's up next? Who's back in the, uh, Kirk mentioned the coroner section. Of the um, funeral home. Who's back there? What's he up to? What's he look like? Ah, yes. That would be uh, Dr. Ben Slicer. I already forgot my character voice from last episode, but uh, we're going to go with this for this time. Um, Dr. Ben Slicer's back there. Actually, the bodies just came in, right? So let's say this is like uh, two weeks later. We're not going to directly. That was just a stinger. We're not going to do anything with those bodies right now. Oh. Okay. All right. So, so Dr. Ben Slicer is, uh, working back there often alone, um, investigating, uh, the bodies that come in. He's, uh, he's a guy who police will go to when there's something fishy going on with bodies. Nothing like, uh, very explainable by other medical professionals who may be maybe more vanilla. Um, he's also kind of the guy that, the police go to when there's no one else available. So no one really wants to work with Ben. Uh, he's sloppy. He's messy. Um, he's weird. He's always the weird kid. Um, I don't have a written out backstory, but he was, he's always been a loner. Um, a very strange, he was always like the kid on the side burning ants with magnifying glasses, you know, at recess or whatever. Um, you know, when you put a flashlight in a frog, yes. (laughs) And light up the skeleton. (laughs) That's exactly what exactly right. (laughs) That's, that's, that's bad. 
That's Ben Slice. That's what I don't. Was that it's during ben an Slice. episode when? Yes, one hundred percent. When you said that last, yeah, yes. that's right. It was during the prologue. <laughs> no, it was during no, season it was last two. Week. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like when you put a flashlight in a frog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did I say that? No, Kirk said no, that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, all right, so I am so yeah, Ben Slicer. Uh he goes by the nickname with his close friends of Slice. He um Dr. Benedict Albert Slicer is his full name. And yeah, that's Slice. Very nice. Um finally, a third member of our crew. Well, actually we'll let Joe Joe put your uh, art up and describe it, I guess. Yep, there it is. There she is. Oh, Slice, um Slice is Usually found in whatever he found in his closet that morning that maybe smells slightly clean just to be on the job. Um, his clothes are usually dirty, dirtied up or bloodied up because he is a an autopsy specialist. Um, he normally wears glasses, but he can't seem to find them around his office. Uh, usually it's a disorganized or an organized mess is what he likes to call it. But for whatever reason, they've escaped him today. Um, he's got this little Ben Hogan hat. And uh, usually sports a mustache, which he's misplaced as well. <laughs> so that's slice. <laughs> Misplace your mustache, also known as shaving. <laughs> the uh, the third member of our crew. What's he? What's uh, where's he? What's he up to? What's he like? And what's he look like? Uh, so Cuthbert Ulysses Sizemore uh, is upstairs in the office hunched over his reading desk, reading from his Bible. Uh, Cuthbert has long been a drifter. Since returning from the war, he has traveled to various counties and cities throughout Kentucky, West Virginia, and Tennessee, each stop staying only long enough to convince some of the town locals to part with their money before moving on to the next town. Comfortable working solo or working as part of a small group, Cuthbert's always looking for his next opportunity to score his next payday. Most recently, he has taken to being a traveling minister after befriending his newest friend, George W. Hensley. People often open their hearts, homes, and wallets he has found to members of the church. It has also afforded him an easy way to move on to his next town so that he continue to preach the good word of the Lord. All right. And what are... So, uh, <laughs> Kirk kind of alluded to this. Well, go ahead. Actually, first, in- introduce your, uh, your guy's appearance and... His interesting gear there. Uh, being kind of the, the drifter and grifter, uh, Cuthbert's main uh, weapons are his pet snake and the good word of the law, <laughs> at least currently. What's the snake's name? God damn it, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Is it okay. Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of snake is it? Do we know what kind of snake it is? It's a, it's a rattlesnake. Rattlesnake. Okay. That way he can, nice. when he's across the room in the dock, he can tell me where he's at. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. So, um, Kirk kind of alluded to this when he was introducing himself, but uh, so you guys are doing funeral home stuff around the funeral home, but... It, Maybe doing some other stuff, too? Anybody want to talk about what uh, maybe the side purpose of this funeral home is? Maybe even the main purpose of this funeral home is? Uh, sure. Yeah, Yaps will cover it. Uh, Yaps, unable to unlink himself from his uh, 
from his degenerate uh, alcohol pushing past um, has taken the Shining Hope funeral home and turned it into, um, along with a friend of a couple, a couple degenerates as well, turned it into a, uh, a shine running business. And we use the, the funerals of front and we use the moving of coffins, bodies, the cemetery, um, the hearse, things like that to quite literally move our product inconspicuously through the town and to other places in the state of Kentucky and, and abroad. Very nice. Um, so let's see. How do we want to do this? Shining hope. Shining Boom hope. Shine. Yep. Shining, shining hope. <laughs> Get it? Get it? It's in there. I get it. (laughs) Clever. All right. So, uh, Yaps, what you know, uh, which uh, maybe you've told the other guys, maybe you haven't, I'll leave that up to you, is that business is a little light lately. Um, The the coffins, which are normally uh, bursting with uh, so much moonshine that you can hardly get them closed, you can hardly get them in the hearse. Um, are a little light lately because demand has been uh, pretty thin and it's pretty severely cutting into your bottom line. Something that's been stressing you out a lot lately. Um, And you've heard rumors that throughout Kentucky and throughout the, we'll say, tri-state area, Cincinnati, up to Indianapolis, down to Knoxville, and even... uh, starting to very lightly uh, make inroads toward uh, places like Chicago and New Orleans. Um, You've been hearing that there is a new strain of new product on the market. Um, And you've heard that it may involve uh, some brothers from further out in the boonies of Kentucky named the Carmody Brothers. Um, you haven't done anything with that information yet, and you don't know if there's anything solid to it, but, uh, that is just some information that you know, or that you've heard, rumors that you've heard. And as it would happen today, um, are you messaging me right now? Yes. (laughs) Secretively. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very conspicuously. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm on my 1920s talking machine. Whatever they do. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Did you just send me a telegram? Um, as a carrier pigeon. <laughs> so, um, as it would happen, you have recently gotten a telegram. Did phones exist in the 1920s? I should probably know that. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb and had nothing to do with phones. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Telephones have been around since the 1850s. So there's helophones. There's phones. Phones phones (laughs) as far as the eye can see in Prestonburg, Kentucky. That is is not true. (laughs) (laughs) That was not definitely not the case. But that's not probably true. Let's say uh, there's like one phone. uh, And because the funeral home is uh, maybe not one phone, but there's a few very... uh, very privileged uh, phones, which uh, important people in town can use. And the funeral home happens to have one. You got a call from a good friend of yours named Jackson Elias, uh, who said that he was going to be in town soon. And um, did you want to meet up with him at the usual spot? Um, which you found to be a rather unusual request because... Well, it's at the Shining Light. It's right next door, right? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you found you found that to be a bit of an unusual request because Jackson is a reporter who lives and works in Louisville, and uh, it's not like he just swings by Prestonburg uh, on a regular basis. So um, that's the information you have. What do you want to do with that? Um. I'm definitely going to meet up with Jackson. So Jackson and I go way back. Uh, we both graduated from the University of Louisville. Um, and that's how we met and became friends. Um, obviously, they went on to be a reporter and I went on to do my things. But as Jackson is going to be rolling back through uh, Prestonsburg, um, Yaps is definitely going to meet up. So um, I thinking that thinking that this is, you know, just a gut feeling that Yaps has, uh, this is going to be a conversation that needs to be had with the, the whole Shining Hope crew. So, uh, Yaps, uh, summons Slicer and, uh, Cuthbert, Cuddy to, uh, to just the, the main, the main, uh, room in the funeral home, right, in, right inside the, the main parlor, we'll say. Well, not the part, you're not, when you, you happen to know from your previous, uh, meetings with Jackson, that uh, the usual spot refers to um, an area in the, um, well, let's just say, you know, it's in, uh, in or around the general store in town. And you happen to know uh, the password is ribbit. Ribbit. Okay. So, so when I'm bringing them to the parlor, I'm bringing them to the parlor to tell them. All right, boys, listen up. My friend from College Jackson, he's coming into town. And I think something's up and I think it has to do with our de- declining business. And I think we should need to take a little stroll over to the general store and find out what's going on with that. Ribbit, ribbit, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got no idea what you're saying. Don't know what I'm saying. I got no All right. <laughs> Slicer, I'd... But I could stretch your bones. Let's uh, let's head on over there. Slicer, why don't you tuck a couple of those knives in your pockets and... Uh, Cutty, you keep being creepy Ooh. with that snake thing. Bang. Yeah, I'd, and, I'd and especially really that. that. And then we'll uh, let's ride on over. Let's go meet up with Jackson. All right. Um, you said right on over, but the general store is about uh, 30 yards from the funeral home. So. I, I knew that. <laughs> right on over. I'm super fast. <laughs> so you guys head there? Yep. Slasher takes his whole bag of knives, just in case. All right. Um, I will say, uh, Yaps has this kind of uh, pseudo calling card, we'll, we'll say. It's just kind of how he, he bullies himself around town when, when something's up. And he quite literally has a revolver holster on his hip that he just slides in. Just a, a way to warn crowbar. Like a crowbar that's being used far too much. And it just slides <laughs> into the to the, the pistol holster on his hip as uh, he kind of kicks through the front door of the Shining Hope Funeral Home. And over to the General Store. All right. The leaky tub. So you guys, you guys all head over there into the into the general store. Yep, that's yes. right. Oh, ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> I'm gonna get myself a handful <laughs> of lemon drops. All right, and uh, go up to the cleric and say ribbit. So, okay, well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit. You walk, you Have walk into the, uh, you walk into the general store, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a pretty rickety old general store. Wooden shelves, various wares that you might need on the shelves. Um, you can get like, um, you know, meal, uh, various little small cans and jarred foods. Uh, some of it's clearly handmade from people in the community. Uh, this is not exactly a bustling uh, trade hub, but the people around who maybe farm or truffle hunt, etc., in the surrounding area uh, might bring their wares down to this general store to trade in it. And uh, you recognize behind the counter 
uh, about a 60, 70 year old man. You can never tell exactly how old he is, but uh, he's definitely visibly very old. His name is Willie Francis. He says, afternoon, boys. What can I help you with? Slick Willie Francis. Give me a bag of lemon drops and also ribbit. He says, <laughs> he says, all right, well, uh, lemon drops you'd have to get from the candy store down the way. I believe your keeper mentioned that in the introduction. That's a different place. Um, but as to your second request, and he, uh, he kicks the underside of the uh, sort of uh, desk or service counter that he's sitting behind, and uh, just behind you, uh, a trap door falls open, and you can see a ladder that goes down into what you know to be the town bar. Cheers to you, friendo. I'll get my lemon drops downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Yaps obviously goes down, goes down the ladder. Yeah, I think Slicer's kind of heading up the rear, keeping his eye open either side. Nods to Francis as he follows right. his bag. Cuthbert just ignores Francis and follows Yaps right down. All right, so you find yourself in a dimly, a dimly lit room in the basement of the general store with uh, what can only unmistakably be called a bar up against the far wall. Um, and there's a bartender behind the bar, and above him is a sign which has uh, the text of the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution uh, scrawled on it. After one year of the ratification of, the, of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof, from the United States and all territories subject to the jurisdiction thereof, for beverage purposes, is hereby prohibited. And below that, an even bigger sign that says, no alcohol. To the right of the no alcohol sign, there is a, another sign. These are all wooden signs. Um which uh, has painted on it egg, 10 cents. Bread, 10 cents. This is a dining establishment. And above all of that is the sign which says, uh, which has a uh, crudely scrawled painting of two frogs wrestling, and the name of the establishment is the Ornery Bullfrog. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> below all of the signs, uh, there is uh, a row of bottles of what is clearly whiskey. <laughs> uh, Yaps, More than eggs and bread. Y uh. Yaps goes up and slams his fist on the table, and he goes, Give me the full English! Uh, ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> uh, the bartender, whose name is uh, Frank Shirley, who you know well, says, Yaps, I never know what the hell you're talking about. But I'll get you a whiskey. Bang on, <laughs> whiskey. Shirley, you know me well. You notice in the in the back corner of the room um, at a table, your friend Jackson is already sitting uh, at a table. He has a drink of his own. Um, does does Jackson know Cuddy and Slicer? Uh, I'm gonna. I forgot about. I'm gonna say Ryan's no. nickname. I'm gonna say no. Okay, oh, so okay. Um, you got you guys go way back. He's been in town before. Might have a, might have a passing knowledge of him, but um, you guys don't know him as well. You know that he's Yap's friend. Okay. Um, well, how do we want to uh, 
I like I have a good feeling I know why he's there. I'm gonna bring you know, we'll just go we'll just go together. Like, you know, they're my associates in the business. They need to hear what's going on with it too. So I'm gonna grab my uh, grab my drink and I'm gonna just uh turn to Cuddy and Slicer and say, Jackson's over there. And I'm gonna go walk over and, and sit down and initiate conversation, you know, meet them we'll say meaningful conversation with when Jack when uh, Cuddy and Slicer get over there as well. The slicer goes to the bar and the bartender starts pouring him a whiskey just automatically after yaps and he says, yeah, coffee black. And he scoops up the cup of joe and follows. Uh, the bartender says, uh, I'm sorry, did you say coffee? Uh, y- yeah. So he looks a little confused, uh, kind of not sure what to do, and he pours you a glass of whiskey. He looks down at the whiskey. He looks up at the guy. He's like, all right, cool. <laughs> follows Yaps. Cuthbert just follows Yaps immediately. He doesn't, does not partake okay. of the whiskey yet. And of course... What time uh, of day is it? It's the afternoon. Of course, um, okay. the, the bartender does not ask you guys to pay for any of this because, um, as you can see from the label on the bottle, uh, this is your own product. And uh, what is it called? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> what's our whiskey what's, called? What's your whiskey called? Uh, it's got to be something with the grave. Death's Door Whiskey. Grave Robber Rye. Did you say Grave Robber Rye? Can we have a couple? Mm-hmm. Let's have a couple different ones. So just come up with a name. Why not? Grave Robber or... I like Death's. Uh, I'm mausoleum. going with Death's Door. Everybody can pick one. Kirk, you get to pick one. We'll have a great... Joe can pick what one. did you say? I'm going Death's with Death, Death's Door. Death's Door Death's is an door. actual distillery in uh, Michigan, by the way. Just FYI. So just, hey, just add that to the list of legal stuff you got to read. It. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this podcast is not in any way affiliated with Death's Door. <laughs> All right, so we have Death's Door Whiskey. <laughs> we have Grave Robber Rye. Um, I'll come up with a shine then. Um, let's see. Let's see. Coffin Mausoleum. Uh, just, uh, um, no, no, no. You gotta put something with toad. Rip. Something you gotta have something with toad. Um, or tombstone. Tombstone's a good name, like a pizza. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the, the, the croaked toad. Croaked toad. There you <laughs> nice. Go. Nice. All right. Croaked toad. So you guys each grab your uh, your products, um, which uh, pretty sophisticated uh, operation. Different levels of aging and mash bills. Um, you guys clearly know what <laughs> right. you're doing. Um, and you head over That's... to talk to Jackson? Yep, yep, yep. We sit down. Yep. Uh, yep. As soon as we sit down, Jackson, this is Cuddy Slicer. They're in the biz with me. They help me They help me run the funeral home. Uh, Jackson. What's the word? What's the word on the street, kid? So Jackson, uh, Jackson is wearing, like, uh, we'll say just like a regular button-up shirt uh, with a green sweater vest over it. Kind of plainly dressed. Uh, looks like a kind of bookish guy. He's wearing glasses. Um, Jackson is a uh, a black man, as you mentioned. You knew him back in university. University, excuse me. Um, he's a bit of a trailblazer. Um, he's obviously faced uh, great difficulties because of his skin color in his life, uh, but um, has managed to carve himself out a niche as a. Um, a newspaper writer, freelance newspaper writer, as well as a travel reporter who's published several books about his uh, travels around the United States. Um, uh, and uh, because he is just a real slam dunk journalist, 
uh, he's managed to to gain some fame and notoriety. Um, so uh, he sees you walk up and he says, "Boys, how you doing?" Not not great, Jackson. Not great. The business is taking a hit. Not not enough bodies rolling out, rolling out of the building. You know what I'm saying? Not a lot of bodies rolling out right now. He says, "Well, I think I do know what you're saying." And I might just have something for you. Uh, good to meet your friends. I think we've uh, maybe crossed paths before. Uh, can I ask, did you say your name is uh, Cuddy? Well, yes, my name's... Uh, they call me Cuddy. Uh, Cuthbert Ulysses Sizemore. And uh, you're Yaps' friend. Who is uh, your friend there? And he points to the... Uh, Snake draped around your shoulders. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have to forgive her. She is very shy. We don't give her name out to just anybody. <laughs> Expertly dodged. She'll tell you if she wants right. to. He kind of nods his head, but okay, sure. So, I called you here with a, a bit of a proposition that I thought might best be delivered. Ahem, in and purpose. I'm slice. <laughs> He like rubs his hand on his shirt to he like spilled some whiskey on his hand, so he rubs it off, but he actually rubs it in like a blood stain on his shirt, and he like extends the hand, he's like, nice to meet you. If he shakes your hand, he says, Nice to meet you. Um so he uh Slice sits down loudly. <laughs> okay. That's just how he is, or is he mad? No, he's just like down, glass on the table. Alright. Already slouching. He said, Well, boys. Uh, the reason I called Yaps down here is uh, I've come upon a bit of information that is going to be a little difficult for me to investigate for certain reasons, but uh, I thought that we might have that uh, we might be able to come to some sort of agreement that could be mutually beneficial to the four of us. Now, Yaps, you mentioned that things have not been going so smoothly. That be because of your uh, business interests, and he take he uh, takes a sip of the uh, glass he's got in front of him. Yeah, it's kind of chuckles. He goes, you know, just uh, people aren't really uh, people aren't putting orders in anymore. Just almost completely ran dry, and I've got a I got a got a bunch of bodies stacked up trying to get out the door, and I don't have to, anywhere to bring them besides uh, besides the, the this place here, and uh, ain't a lot of action here. In, in, in Preston Burke, so uh, I'm wondering what the hell is going on. We used to be moving six, seven coffins a week, uh, and I can barely fill, uh, get half an order out, half a coffin worth a worth a body out. Well, you ever hear tell of the Carmody Brothers out southeast Texas, or <laughs> Texas, southeast Kentucky way? That's pretty far away. No, no. And he, uh, Yaps turns to, to the two and he looks over at the, the Kalamazoo brothers. The Calamity brothers? You ever heard of them? <laughs> uh, now, um... The Carmichael brothers? Now, Jack, Jackson, I'm gonna need you to be a little more, um... clear about where where these people are from, so we're in southeast Kentucky. I would think if there was, a uh, another outfit, uh, taking some of our, uh, body weight away, we would have already heard of them. Well... Uh, well, let's say let's say you guys you guys do have heard of these guys by reputation, or maybe maybe you've you've forgotten, but something rings a, a little bell in your head. What's the name of their What's the name of the product? 
But that's what I'll ask. Yaps, Yaps asked that. What's the name of their product? Uh, the name of their product <laughs> is. Hmm. You've turned. You've you've switched it back around on me. Let's see. What's a good What's a good adjective? Uh, Snakeskin. Let's see. What's their What's their name? Calamity Brothers. The, the Carmody Car- 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 Brothers. Um, you could just have their like comedy, except in a car. Car clown C-A- car. Clown car whiskey. C A R M O D Y. Carmody. It's the last name. Uh, we'll call them. Uh, let's see. They have uh, their product is called Skint Possum Corn Whiskey. I've heard of Skint Possum. <laughs> Sounds like a yeah, yeah. So we've had that before. It that tastes like dog piss. Skin possum, no good. Skin possum is not any like good, it. which means they're undercutness or something. He says, "Well, that's the thing of it. Skin possum's been turning up in speakeasies from Knoxville to Louisville, and some people are saying all the way up into Chicago. More and more of it. And the peculiar thing is, it's tasting stranger and stranger, almost in a way that people say." It's all that good, but they just they just can't get enough of it, and it's really flooding the market all over. And I happen to know that there is something strange going on in the Carmody Brothers' neck of the woods, which is Blackwater Creek. Um, I mentioned further south and east of here, but I'm looking at a map of Kentucky now, and I realize we're about as far east as you can go. <laughs> so, uh, so they're running it out of shining light. It's actually, did I say southeast? I meant southwest of here, uh, <laughs> down near Harland Way in Blackwater Creek. Harland. What, what kind? What kind of Jackson? What kind of weird stuff? Jackson, you got a. Um, <laughs> You got your hands on a little bit of that stuff? That skint possum? Well, as it happens, uh, and he pulls out a little, uh, just a little, uh, a half pint of it. Um, I brought some so you guys could take a look, take a smell maybe. Um, Bit of a peculiar, bit of a peculiar odor to it. I didn't know if maybe you could identify what's, what's going on with it. Uh... And he, uh, he hands it over to you guys. Yeah, I mean, he sets it on the table, we'll say. Yeah, I think Slice is going to scoop it up, take a look, like close one eye, hold it up to the light, see the color, maybe take the stopper off the bottle, lick the top a little bit. Hmm. I might take this back to my lab and do a little analysis on it. Okay. See what might be in there. So when you take the stopper off, you smell it. I mean, it's clear. It's a cor- It's an unaged corn whiskey. That's, that's obvious enough. Uh... It's got that wild, sweet corn whiskey smell that just about anybody down south is familiar with. But when you give it a sniff, uh, just for an instant, there is a whiff of something almost rotten sweet. Uh, Almost a durian fruit-esque whiff of uh, almost a corruption to this whiskey. Um, and you said uh, before I told you that that you gave the top of the bottle a lick. Um, mm-hmm. Give me a con <clears throat> roll. <It's> pretty good. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Okay. Starting strong. Uh, all right, let's see. 
There's that dice. And here's this one. A con roll. I got high con. Uh, and that is a nine. Zero, zero, and a nine. Okay. Nothing weird happens. Um, <laughs> but you Probably. do taste it, and it tastes, again, like a regular corn whiskey. Decent. Not as good as your product. Um, but there's a, just on the front end, for just a, just an instant, there's something just wrong about it. However, it's not totally unpleasant. Yeah. You almost feel like uh, you almost feel like you could take a swig, uh, but I'll leave it up to you whether you do. Uh, Slice does not. Um, but he licks it. He kind of mulls it over for a little bit, and he hands it over to Cuddy. Why don't you give me a uh, me? give me a biology roll? That's one of your skills, isn't it? Okay, I do have biology. Sixty-one is a success. 30 and a 12. All right. There uh, we go. Uh, 35. So um, that smell that you just smelled, you kind of associate it with, um, you know, in your studies, particularly in med school, particularly in, uh, you know, doing dissections and things like that. It's almost a, it's almost like a deathy smell. Um, and, and you guys work in a funeral home as well. So this would be something you'd all kind of be familiar with. But uh, it's kind of that, that corruption of a, of a dead thing that's been out for a little while. But only only just infinitesimally on the front end. You could almost miss it if you weren't looking for it. All right. So uh, when I hand it to Cuddy, if I'm just, just slightly sensing that it might be off, it might be something on my shirt that I uh, just are getting a whiff of. I'm going to I'm going to hand it over to Cuddy just say, "Hey Cut. You uh you smell anything, anything funky on this? Like uh well, I don't know. You tell me what you smell." Uh tastes it just takes a a big whiff. Um what? And then Cuthbert takes a swig. Oh boy. <laughs> Cuddy takes a swig. All right. Cuddy takes a swig. Give me a con roll. 55. What's your con? It's a pass. 65. Okay. Nothing strange happens. Um, you detect the same sensations that uh, Slice detected. You, you smell that same offness. You might not uh, have the educational background to identify it um, sort of biologically in the same way that he did, but you definitely do detect that weird offness to it. Um, you know, like I said, the whiskey itself is, is not that great compared to your product. The Carmody's have never put out uh, anything that could match you. And um, you do you do detect something weird about it, but it's not uh, it doesn't affect you in any particular way um, that you notice. Cutty Titan, as it comes away from his lips, sits it down in front of Yaps, goes, I told you, dog piss. <laughs> Yaps, you got anything to say? Ad, doing anything? He, he's kind of watching this, uh, watching this occur, and uh, of course there hasn't been a, a negative reaction. Uh, but he leans into Jackson, and he goes, "Ain't no way this stuff is that good to be spreading that quick. And if it's not the price, something's got to be up. Do you know anything else? You said something strange going on uh, over at the calamity, the comedy shack here. So what's going this on with the boys? It. Well." <laughs> That's that's the thing is that uh, people people just seem to keep coming back for it. Uh, it's nothing special, as you can see and tell, taste. 
Um, I've had a bit myself, but, you know, I can't explain it, but I do feel like I want to take another sip from time to time. And what's particularly strange is there are reports out of Louisville and Knoxville about people going almost stark raving mad looking for this stuff. So I started doing a bit of digging into the operation and into Blackwater Creek. Talked to a few people who have uh, made their way down there now and again. And uh, there is something very strange going on in that town. And I don't know what, but I want to find out. And I'm guessing, if you were to try to find out, you might get a chance to figure out what exactly it is that's making their product uh, beachers out so bad. Eh, you might have a chance put a stop to it. And all I'd like for you to do is come back and tell me what you found. Jackson, I like the way you think I'm down. Uh, something strange going on. I can smell it. I can taste it in that whiskey. Something's not right. And I agree. If there's uh, these folks, these comedy brothers, Carmichael's, whatever their name is, if they're strutting on our turf, we better put a stop to it. There's definitely something strange in that neighborhood. So we're going to make a call them. <laughs> Excuse me, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, says, Jackson, good to see you. Swing by the funeral before you're on your way out. I got something for you. He slaps him on the shoulder, finishes his, uh, his croaked toad moonshine, um, flips the glass back on the table. He says, boys, think we gotta, think we gotta travel west. And he climbs back up the ladder to the general store. Lemon dropless. <laughs> Slicer <laughs> Slicer slams the glass down on the counter and slides it to the bartender and just says, Next time coffee. And turns around and climbs up the ladder. Shirley, he's weird. As you guys are climbing out, he's like he's like, Living drops of coffee. What in the world kind of place do they think this is? <laughs> uh before before Cuthbert heads up, he grabs the stopper for the, the skit possum and puts it in and then sticks the skin possum in his pocket. So we have the rest of it. Okay. Taking it with us. Good plan. <laughs> Forgot about that. I was going to analyze that in the lab while the other folks prep. When we get back, I kind of turn to Cuddy and Slicer. Boys, we got to make a move west. I, I say we, uh, we, we load up, we load up the hearse with a little bit of our product, a little bit of, uh, little bit of persuasive materials that we tend to carry around for instances like this. And I say we go uh, meet up with the, the Cauliflower Brothers out west, and we figure out what's going on here. <laughs> this is like, uh, what was that in season one? Hillary. Um, I don't even, Hillary, what is, I don't even remember his real name. Hank. It was oh, Hank, wasn't it? I don't either now. <laughs> Hamlet. Hamlet. It was Hamlet? Yeah, Hamlet, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, that was an interesting episode to record. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. My uh, <laughs> okay. What's what's our hearse's name? Oh my gosh, everything has a name. It's a hearse. Um, Who drives the hearse? Let's let's start with that because driver gets to name it. I tell you, I mean my my drive is high. I know yours is pretty good. Uh, pretty you good. You said too. you get a bonus. Yeah, so it's part of the acting Mine's kind standard. of like skill set. Yeah. All right, you get to you get to name the hearse. Um, Backseat middle. <laughs> That's where the coffins go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, the, the, the hearse is called the Slice back Slice is middle. just lying in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take a rest. You guys, I'll be right here. Satan's school bus. That's that's the name of it. Satan's No, I'm just kidding. Shining, Shining beep, beep. Hope Funeral Home is a professional uh, operation here. And we take our job very, very seriously. So our, is our hearse sunshine? And the hearse's name is Backseat Middle. Backseat Middle. <laughs> okay. Wait, why does the hearse right. have to That's have a perfect. name? I, I guess maybe that. I missed that part. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Everything has to have a name. You didn't. You never named your vehicles? I don't know. It's just a thing we do. We ask people to name stuff. Backseat Middle is a great name. Uh, what, are, what, are, what, are, what, are, what are you guys doing with the funeral home while you're gone? Are you... Uh, Putting a sign on the door is uh, you got a got a helper to leave in charge of things or what's uh... I mean you, do we have a helper <laughs> actually you, you know what we can we can ask Jackson to stick around we'll pay, sure I'll, 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 pay, I, I'll pay Jackson he he kind of he kind of came up with you guys he said sure I can keep an eye on things Yap slides Jackson like a brown paper bag with some cash in it uh, for his troubles and says uh just keep the keep the keep the club. <clears throat> keep the close sign on the door at all times just make sure people don't come in here and. Find the bodies. Slaps him on his shoulder. He's like, you silly son of a bitch. It's good to see you. And he, uh, with a, kind of like um, Ash from, um, oh, come on. Pokemon? Evil Dead? Evil Dead, thank you. Ash from uh, Evil Dead. Oh. Um, we went two very different directions. Yeah, yeah, we covered all a, the bases. <laughs> Yaps throws up uh, his, his 12-gauge shotgun into kind of like a shoulder holster. The crowbar is still in his uh, pistol holster. And uh, he starts heading back to the back where the um, – to the back entrance where the hearse is parked. All right. So could, could Slicer have been doing any sort of uh, chemistry in the lab with the whiskey? Finding anything out, maybe comparing. He's he was the <clears throat> only one who smelled some death on it, so I don't know. Maybe comparing smells or tastes or ingredients with uh, some of the you know like rotting flesh he has laying around. Yeah, give me a um. Yeah, I got a good idea for this. Give me a give me another biology check. Okay. Uh, eighty no, eighteen. Okay, ten and an eight. That's good. So. What's what's peculiar about this whiskey as you're going through it, you know, it doesn't you do you do kind of run some tests. You got little strips or whatever uh, somebody from back then would have to like test for alcohol. It's got alcohol in it. It smells looks like alcohol. But what you notice, um, you've actually got a uh, they have microscopes back then, or at least a magnifying glass. I think they sure have microscopes. Did. Yeah. So two two magnifying glasses back to back. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, microscope was invented in the 1600s. So, um, I got to do more research on what things existed um, in the 1920s. It's, it's all manual, though. There's no, it's not electric. It's not so, autofocus. So you do, you do have a uh, a microscope in your lab, and um, you take a look at uh, at the at a slide that you've made with a drop of the whiskey on it, and um, you know, obviously, this is. You know, deep, deep Kentucky, uh, down home moonshine, high alcohol content, and uh, you're not going to see much living in it normally. When you put it under the microscope and take a look at it, you notice a few uh, peculiar little, almost like um, I got to think of another adjective besides peculiar. Um, you, you notice a few, like almost like if you've ever had um, like floaters in your eyes. 
Um, a few mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. like translucent, um, tiny, almost like worm-like structures in it. Uh, mm. And give me a sanity check. Oh, fudge. All right. Uh, I am at 60 sanity currently. And I rolled a 40 on the nose. Okay. 40 and a zero. So you keep it together. It's not uh, It's not something that drives you crazy. You've seen a bunch of weird shit in med school. Um, and it's so subtle that you think, well, maybe you almost imagine it, but it almost looks like these little uh, worm-like floaters. In the corner of your eye, it looks like they're moving. Whenever you kind of go to focus on them... Like they're alive? Well, whenever you go to focus on them and look a little more closely, they're just sitting there. But then if you let your gaze drift in the corner of your eye, it just kind of looks like they're moving again. But you can never pin down uh, any definitive movement or signs of life. All right. He uh, scoops the whiskey back up. <clears throat> he kind of rubs his eyes. God damn it, should have had that coffee. <laughs> and uh, packs up his things... And locks the, like, 17 locks he's got on his laboratory door and uh, heads out. Hello, everybody. This is Joe, your Benedict Slicer. Welcome in to what's officially episode one, although we did have the episode zero prologue where we did the little minor adventure and introduce our characters. But welcome into episode one, the first of many in our campaign noir. If you did not know, we are streaming this campaign on Twitch uh, live episodes um, live streaming with a lot more content and things that don't get cut from the podcast version so um, if you are listening to this on the day of release which is Wednesday March 2nd we are actually um, streaming the next episode tomorrow night Thursday March 3rd 8 30 p.m. on uh, you meet in a taverns twitch channel that's uh, twitch.tv slash ymia tavern hit us with a follow over there get notified uh, join the discord that we have um, to get notified when we go live and just hang out hang out with the community chat chat up the uh, season the episodes um, general gaming and nerd stuff we'd love to have you love to have you part of the community and um, we chat with uh, with um, all you twitch viewers and listeners before and after the recording of the episode so Come on by twitch.tv slash YMIA Tavern. You can find a link to that in the episode description as well as links to our uh, Discord and Twitter and all that stuff where you can find our old other social media goodness. So real quick, in the middle of this episode, I want to give a special, special shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers, especially those uh, that we are in our that are in our Cthulhu tier. That's $10 or more a month that they donate to the show. Um, help us improve and, and keep going. So... Um, oh, I forgot to reorder this in my thing. Here we go. Let me give a special shout out. $10 or more. Cthulhu patrons, 8-Bit Wizard, Brandon Silent Elf, 0242 Jordan, Cheyenne Winchester, Chris Reyes, Chubbles, Chuck Lewick, Chunky But Funky Charles, Colin Kramer, Colton Strickland, Craig Spaulding, Cubicle Pirate, Daniel Johnson, Darth Nate, 
David Crone, Don't Twitch Me Bro, Henry Kalhoff, Holly Roxana, It's The Real, Joey Balboa, John Dwyer, John Tugas, Caitlin Harvey, Kavika, Chris Nelson, Long Live Durth, Durf, Monkey Lovin' Gamer, Raver E. Alice, Rockin' R's Woodshop, Sam J. O. Melton, Spuds McGee, Strive for Honor, Super Average Jason, The Stone Druid, The Brood Witch, Tony, A. Cold 07, Ursula Batea, Zach Gunther, and Zen Zeba. Man, I feel like that, that list just grew since last time. But thank you all so, so much for your donations to the show. Everybody that is on Patreon, especially um, the top tier, thank you so much. You can go on to patreon.com slash YMAIA Tavern if you want to support us. And check out some of the rewards and, and things you get all, uh, over there. Um, the $10 or more being this shout-out and also a shout-out uh, at the end of the uh, Twitch stream. So, um, without further ado, enjoy the rest of what's officially Episode 1, Episode 2, if you listen to the first one. And um, we will catch you next time in a couple weeks, all right? We'll see you on Twitch. Peace out. Everybody hopping in the hearse. Cuddy, you up to anything? Uh, Cuddy just follows, uh, yaps out the door, heading to the hearse. All right. Hey, uh, hey, Cuddy, help me out. And they, uh, they lift a, uh, a coffin that has, that's about half filled, uh, with jars of the croaked toad moonshine and then half of just like straw to keep the, the, um, jars from shattering and they push it into the back and then uh, Yaps grabs a couple uh, old rags and rips them into strips uh, and packs that back um, and casually checks his front pocket for his uh, his lighter and then walks around to go into the driver's seat as they close up the hearse. All right. And then you head out? Um, if, uh, yep. if, if we're all good, we head out. Yep. All right. We're good. Backseat middle. So, if you were to, in modern days, pull up a Google Maps, look at Coon Branch and Harlan, Kentucky, um, it looks like there's a, a nice straight state highway that goes right between them. Probably takes uh, about an hour and a half, two hours to drive between the two towns, maybe not even. Uh, but this is the 1920s, and we didn't have fancy highways back then. So, the journey is quite strenuous. Uh, It takes you many hours over uh, barely developed dirt roads and uh, you get very, very deep. Uh, You know a little bit about Blackwater Creek by reputation and it is deep, deep, deep in the hills and hollers of Appalachia. Um, You can feel the mountains looming over you um, as you go down this winding path that sometimes barely even wide, as wide as uh, as the hearse, which is uh, uh, ably performs for being a hearse uh, in this uh, <laughs> off-road type territory. Would you like me to pull up a map um, or anything from uh, the stuff you sent me? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, so you're getting to be about um, probably by your reckoning an hour or so from uh, from Blackwater Creek 
It's been about six hours, and it's getting to be pretty late in the evening. Everybody give me a willpower check. That's just pow? Pow. Pow. 71. Uh, excuse I me, got, this, is I, a, this is a hard willpower check. I got a one. <laughs> nice. So so if it's hard, it would be fair to say Kirk's going to look past. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Yaps, as you're sitting there driving the car, I guess the other fellas have kind of... Uh, I don't know, maybe they've drifted off or they're kind of having reveries. They're looking out the window. You have have to keep an eye on the road uh, because it's pretty dangerous terrain. And as you're getting closer to Blackwater Creek, you hear roughly every 30 or 45 seconds or so. And uh, at very regular intervals... And again, this is something that's so subtle that you could almost convince yourself that you're not really hearing it. Like a heartbeat reverberating through all of the land around you. And you can't even tell if it's something that you're hearing. It almost kind of vibrates through your body. Like something you know is happening and it feels like you're hearing it, but you're not even sure if it's an actual sound. Uh, like a gentle thumping at regular intervals going through the mountains in the area. Um, Valus? I assume you... Hmm. Go ahead. I was just gonna... Valus, wake up. Do you guys feel that? Do you guys... It's like a... A pulse. Feel real goofy. It's going through my body. Do you guys feel that? And then, and then like, yaps as he's driving, you know, steering with his left hand. With his right hand, he's just kind of like doing like this motion like every thump that he feels go like reverberate through his body there there do you guys feel that there yeah yaps i feel nothing you're you're talking nonsense again yaps yeah benedict lifts up the coffin lid and he sits up he's like yeah no i don't feel i don't feel nothing yaps and he just huh uh and, and now uh just kind of white knuckling the steering wheel yaps kind of leans forward as the, the reverberations keep going through him and he's just like hyper vigilant and he's, you know, maybe before where he was kind of lazily just kind of driving through, uh, the area is just completely dialed in, almost darting back and forth. Like he's trying to absorb as much visual information as he can, um, as he proceeds onward towards, uh, towards the destination. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you, you've been into your croak. Croak toad again? You want you want one of us to drive, or uh... <laughs> yeah, maybe I could use a little right. nip of the noodle juice. Send it up here. No, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, All totally. Right, I was, to I was sleep. <laughs> just goofing. <laughs> you just. <laughs> All right, yaps. All right. Eyes on the road. So, um, as all that's going on, give me a uh, give me a drive check, drive auto check. Sixty one. Is that a pass? It is. Based on the adjustments that I messaged you about earlier. Oh, did you? I didn't know you. Uh... <laughs> I will screenshot it for you. You literally just you literally oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. asked like, yep. "Are you know, messaging me?" And Kirk's like, "Yeah, tell Telegram." <laughs> but you, you guys have actually sent me like an unusual amount of messages during this. I keep looking. Um, okay, <laughs> but uh, okay, so so you pass. Um, so you round the corner and uh, nothing. You don't. Uh, you don't 
wreck or anything. Um, but, uh, you come across, you kind of come across a tight corner and, um, there is a guy coming in the opposite direction. Um, he's also coming around kind of this blind corner at the same time. And you guys managed to just avoid each other. Um, almost wreck, almost kind of slide down into this ravine. Uh, but you do avoid each other and, uh, he comes to a stop behind you and he hops out. These are old Old slow cars, so. Uh, yaps, <laughs> you see yeah. all that happen. You don't just blow past them. Yaps uh, just slams on the brakes and, um, boys, look alive. And he flips open the door and uh, sli- slides the crowbar into his hand, s- similar to uh, a grip that he has in the picture that's on the screen right now for you during the screen, during the stream. That's how he's holding the crowbar as he gets out of the car and he's not like pacing towards the other car that stopped, but he's now at the end of the hearse where the coffin would go in. And that's where he's standing his ground. Okay. Uh, so before you, you see a guy who is wearing, um, kind of very, uh, bookish clothing. He's kind of a small, slight guy. He's wearing glasses. Um, He's got some, I'll even say he's got some, like, uh, books slung under his hand that he grabbed when he hopped out. Um, not, not a very intimidating looking guy, and he doesn't seem to be, um, approaching you aggressively or anything. Um, he says, evening, boys. And he notices that, uh, he notices you've got a crowbar in his hand. He kind of takes a step back and he says, no, uh, I don't, I don't want any trouble. Um, can I do a psychology check on this person? Sure. The slice is kind of crawling out of the back of the car. Uh, just pushing the hood up, rubbing his head like, God damn it. Yaps. That's, I knew you got into that stuff. Uh, 28, which is a pass. Uh, this guy is not, not putting off any threatening vibes at all. Uh, just a, just like a, a hapless nerd. Cuthbert kind of rounds the back of the the vehicle, helping uh helping make sure Slicer gets out of the hearse without hurting himself. Yaps puts the crowbar back in the in the holder there, his holster. He says, "Sorry, so, sorry about that, friend. I uh, thought I thought they were gonna have to get in a little kerfuffle there." Is that how? You- <laughs> great, great word, great, <laughs> great use of word, Yaps. All right. Um, he says, oh, no, 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 no. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure y'all were okay. Um, you know, this, uh, these mountain roads are mighty dangerous. And, uh, if I do say so myself, uh, generally, if we were to encounter each other going down this road, I would think you're probably going in the wrong direction. Y'all lost? Uh, so I, I, I kind of want to use, uh, oh, let me make sure I, I'm using the correct, uh, thing here. There's so many instances of fast talk in this book. Um, I want to use fast talk is my thought. Used to confuse, deceive, or distract another person, uh, opposed being fast talk yourself. Okay. That's not exactly what I want to do. What do I want to do? Somebody else <laughs> do something. As Yaps is like... <laughs> <laughs> they are standing there dumbfounded, talking to himself. Cuthbert's just going to walk up and, hello, there, sir. My name is Cuthbert Ulysses Osmo. What's your name? Uh, my name's John Merritt. I'm a veterinarian. I live in Blackwater Creek. Um, 
that's about all that's in this direction, and we don't get too many visitors for a reason. Well, I mean... That's why I ask if y'all maybe have lost your way. I do not believe that we are lost. We are out here uh, picking up a body. We are from Prestonsburg and the Shining Hope Funeral Home. Well, there's only a few people live there. Whose body are you picking up? So so I don't intentionally bungle it, because before it was a joke, but now I want to get it right. What is the name of these? Camorty? Carmody. Carmody. Um, Carmody. Yap steps up and does use uh, fast talk. He goes, um... Hey, hey, friend. Shining Hope Funeral Home out of Prestonburg. We're we're going to the comedy house. We heard somebody that's from Prestonburg, and they just want the body to go back. And that's what we're here for. They're paying us a good money, a good a bit of money to make this long trip. That's all. That's all we want to do. All right, give me a fast talk roll. Slasher says it's a big body, which is why there's three of us. Big fat dude. <laughs> uh, re- regular pass. Okay, just in case you were curious. <laughs> He says, uh, uh, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, he's like, huh, well, you know, as a, as a town veterinarian, you'd be surprised how often I get called in on non-veterinary medical issues, uh, just by virtue of my knowledge of anatomy, but I hadn't heard anything been going on with the Carmody boys. But on the other hand... You never know what's going on up on their farm. He kind of he kind of gets a little bit of a contemplative look on his face. Brian Cuddy has good persuade, correct? Yep. Um, could you? Yaps kind of under his breath turns uh, turns over to to Cuddy and he goes, uh, "Maybe you can find out uh, what kind of house calls this boy's been making." And he slaps him on the shoulder and he goes, and he just kind of you know. He's like, well, I'm just the driver. And he tips his cap and he goes back uh, towards the front. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so tar- Cuddy turns back around. Uh, you had mentioned the comedy's farm. Uh, how often bouts do you make your way up there? And uh, is there any way that you, uh, is it at, on this road? Is is how far, how about how much longer we got till we get there? Well, <sighs> maybe I ought to draw y'all a map. Or grab y'all. I'm going to say grab y'all map. This is clearly not a drawing. Um, I actually got one in my car, and I don't want y'all driving around here uh, not knowing where you're going. But to answer your question directly, if you head on in uh, down this road, you'll end up in downtown Blackwater uh, to the extent that there is such a thing. And then if you turn left past town to go north uh, up the access road, You'll find the old Jarvis farm as well as the Carmody farm. I'll tell you, I'm not sure you want to drive up to that them boys' farm. They're a bit dangerous. Oh, uh, you said them boys. About how many of them lived that house? Well, <sighs> I suppose I've seen my NPCs. I suppose, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you never you never know what's going up on up there. Some people come and go, but. I reckon I've sat in on the birth of just about all the Carmody boys. I don't know, maybe 10, 12? Why do you ask? There, there ain't no Carmody girls? They didn't hang around. Mm-hmm. All right. What, I mean, yeah, I just I'll don't be know. honest with you, boys. More and more, it's looking like Blackwater Creek is not a place you want to hang around. 
Now, uh, why, why, what makes you say that? Is there anything weird or strange going on? I mean, you, you like you said, you're the, you're the vet, and um, seems like you would have all the information. Well, it'd probably be better to ask if there's anything normal going on. Just about no. I started about six months, eight months ago, just getting a, an uptick in house calls to the farms in the area and strange, strange happenings in Blackwater. Two-headed pigs, cows with the wrong number of legs, uh, sickness, blight, animals dying left and right, can't hardly even feed the town anymore, and it ain't just the livestock. Now, you, you said Black Rock was kind of a, a small town, and it was mostly just these two families. So you're saying there's there's not enough food between these farms to feed this small community? Well, there's the, there's the Carmody's, there's the Jarvis's. You go out in the hollers, there's, uh, you know, this clan and that clan that live in the area and might come into town to do trade at the general store. It's just about our only connection to the outside world. So I would say there's a few hundred people in the area at a given time. And what? Who, who's the shopkeeper of the, the general store? Maybe we'll make a stop in there on our way to the Carmody Farm uh, just, just to make a stop in and maybe... Make sure we're on the right path. Well, that's a that's a that's a that's a great idea. I mean, it's just about the only place in town. Um, you can find the uh, shopkeeper. His name is oh shit, I forgot to name this guy. <laughs> coffee and lemon drops. I just, <laughs> coffee and lemon drops. Coffee and uh, lemon drops. His name is uh, Folgers. Bill Bill Jones. Bill Jones. He's been running the general store in town. And uh, he set up just across the way from Dick Sprouston. Now, he's the de facto mayor, sheriff, and preacher of the town. Hardly, or uh, practically runs the whole place. I'm not sure you want to spend too much time with him. What was it you said you were doing? We're out here picking up a body. At least that's what we've been told. Picking up a body from the Carmody Farm. All right. Well, I got to warn you. The reason I'm headed out of town is I'm going up to... up Corbin Way to the University. Miskatonic South with one of the uh one of the pigs that was recently born with this blight that's going around town i'm hoping they could take a look at it maybe even send a doctor down because it ain't just the pigs that's getting sick anymore uh, <clears throat> a slicer kind of uh stops rubbing his head he's been listening intently this whole time walks up and <laughs> Maybe I could save you a trip. I'm uh he holds his bag out, pats it. Man, I'm a bit of a medical professional myself. Um <laughs> mind if I take a look at this uh animal you got back there? Oh cool, uh, dead stuff. Can I take that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says uh He's licking his lips. <laughs> he he kind of gives you a look over and he says, a, a, a medical professional, you say? 
Well, yes, I, 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 a part of the funeral home, we investigate the bodies, the cause of death. Uh, we work for the government, the police, and, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm used to buy. The you'll you'll the have hearse. to forgive my friend here. He does the autopsies, is what he's saying. He just that's it, precisely. So you're the coroner. Correct. Okay. Well, I guess it couldn't hurt to take a look. I'll save you some gas. It's expensive. Well, I'm already made half the trip, so I got I got Ken and Corbin. But you can take a look if you like. All right, open her up, and he starts kind of un unfastening his own bag. So he's uh, his car is not like a hearse, but it is a sort of uh, a big wagon kind of car, sort of like a hearse, uh, like you've seen back then, the old uh, Model T type cars with the big boxy back. Um, and he cracks it open, and there is a sort of canvas uh, tarp, which is covering up a dead pig. All right. Well, Slicer cracks his knuckles, opens up the tarp, takes out his uh, surgical knife, a smaller one. He's got a kind of a hatchet in, on the inside of his jacket in case he needs to sever any limbs or anything. But um, he takes out the small guns for now and uh, starts uh, looking around at the wounds or uh, whatever's going on with his pig. Cuthbert leans over his shoulder and goes, Slicer, that's a lot of bacon. So give me a, uh, let me think what I want you to learn from this. (laughs) Give me a biology check. (laughs) Okay. And also give me a uh, extreme medicine check. And I'm giving you extreme because you're a doctor, not a veterinarian. An extreme... Oh, right, because it's an animal and not... (laughs) All right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so here's my biology check. That is a 90. And my medicine check is a 30. So, okay. Hard medicine pass, but a fail on biology. So, I'll give you a little bit for the hard medicine pass. Um, But when you're looking at this thing, the first thing you realize is, oh, shit. Pigs are different than people. Um, (laughs) Oh, shit. it, it, It looks fucked up. It's definitely fucked up looking, in your medical opinion. Um, But you don't know enough about what a pig is supposed to look like. He's already done a little bit of uh, incision, so you can even kind of pry in and look in the body at the organs and stuff. But uh, you can't really figure anything out because you don't know what the inside of a pig is supposed to look like. You've never actually uh, studied pig anatomy in detail. You just know that it looks messed up. And what you do notice, though, is that it's it's covered in lesions, um, which are like big, white kind of pustules uh, that are all over <laughs> its entire body. And, uh, in fact, even while you're, uh, you're poking around, one of them bursts and this viscous white goo kind of seeps down the side of the pig. And um, it almost looks like the stuff inside the pustules, which is covering so much of the pig uh, that it kind of affects its entire body. It almost has like a, a light blue glow to it. Mm-hmm. Like a, almost, almost like a very, very, very dim bioluminescence. Okay. 
but you're not able to tell much more than that. Okay. Here's a question. Dr. Benedict Albert Slicer has been a uh, has had a knack for the paranormal through, throughout his uh, medical profession. It's kind of why he got into where he was near a graveyard. All this stuff. Um, he's he's always dealt with the strange cases. He has a psychic power called clairvoyance, which kind of lets me see. Well, I have to get to roll to see if I can figure something out about um, like the history or the. Like the actual, like I could see the death of the animal happening or uh, like details that are beyond the human eye. I'm clairvoyant in a way. Okay. I wonder if this might be a good time to do that just to be able to like see when this pig died. Give give it a spin. While I'm checking it out. All right. So it's a clairvoyance roll. It is a, I spend 1d6 plus one magic points to be able to do it in the first place. 1d6 plus one. So I rolled a one. So two magic points and then a clairvoyance roll. And I have to pass a 60 and I rolled a 32. Okay. Take, give me a sanity check. Oh shit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what is that? 65. What's your willpower? 60? So that's a failure. Uh, 60. Yeah. Okay. So take uh, take two sanity damage. Okay. Um, that is going to cause you to have some kind of involuntary reaction. I'll let you decide what that is once I tell you what happens. Um, you kind of you kind of uh, use these uh, peculiar kind of eldritch sciences that you learned uh, in the uh, electives you took at university. Um, and you are able to very briefly inhabit the mind of this pig as it died. And you see around you uh, a barn. You can see some people around who are kind of looking at you. Um, you actually see John Merritt, the guy who's standing in front of you. And as you're lying there in your moment of death, the overwhelming sensation that you feel is that your skin is crawling with millions of tiny little worms. Um, And as the pig sort of lets out a a horrible pig shriek and then dies, you snap back to uh, where you've been standing before. All right. I think my reaction is just to do that, like like jerk back, uh, throw the the uh, tarp back over the pigs. Like, yeah, yeah, the fu- something fucky happened with this, this guy. <laughs> and, and I start like itchy, like getting itchy everywhere. I'm like just scratching my uh, my uh, shirt and kind of mumbling to myself as I like slam shut my bag and walk back to the car. Yeah, yeah. As as uh, Slicer starts walking back to the car, Cuddy kind of puts grabs him on the shoulder and kind of pulls him back and leans into his. Now, Slicer. I, I do believe maybe if possible we should get a sample of that pus that was on that pig. Maybe you could take it back and analyze it later when we get back to the home. Uh, Slicer just slaps his uh, surgical knife into Cuddy's uh, hand, and he's like, "You get, you get it. I, I, I gotta, I gotta go lay down." Yeah, you know, he hands him an empty vial too. Perfect. Hey, hey you put it in here. <laughs> See you later. You gonna do that? I am gonna do that. All right. 
Because it was already oozing out. It shouldn't require any. Give me a uh, give me a first aid check. I want you to have a better than a one percent chance. Twenty five. Okay, is that a success? That is a success. Okay, that is a, a hard success. Okay, so you managed to you you're you have an awareness because you have a little bit of first aid knowledge that uh, you should avoid contaminating yourself with uh, various goops found on dead things. So manage to carefully scrape it into the vial without getting any on your hands and suffering any ill effects. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and then I'll turn back to John. Well, John, uh, if you could uh, please provide that map to us, we, we'll be on our way and let you be on yours. says, all right. And he, uh, he gives you a map. And Joe, if you want to put just uh, yeah. the region map up. Beep, beep, beep. One, one last thing, John. When we get to the comedy farm, who, who exactly should we ask for? Who's in charge there? Well, I guess you could ask for Damien. But uh, I'm not sure. He's not always around. Um, in fact, I haven't seen him in months. Damien could be, uh, Brandon. Them two would be the ones. Damien's kind of the patriarch of the family. Brandon ran their business interests, so to speak. I actually haven't seen him in even longer. I'm not sure I'd ride straight up to the Carbody farm, though. Well, if they asked you to come out, just be careful. The Carmody is there is something not right about that family. And I tell you, I've been there for many stages of their life, and they are not trending upwards if you catch my drift. <laughs> well, uh, I, I do catch your drift, and we will let you be on your way. And uh, we will make our way to, to town and uh, maybe stop in the general store and see if there's anything else that we should uh, know and see if they have any of them lemon drops and coffee. Now you're talking, boy. The hearse fires back up. <laughs> Backseat middle. All right. You guys head along? To the general store. Yep. What was his last name? Or what was his name? John what? Wick. Barrett? Merritt. John. With an M. John. Merritt. I need to write that down so like we can name drop him later. True Merritt, wherever found. John Merritt. In the Carmichael Brothers. I say we head to All the right. general store. Okay, so Joe, did you put that map up? Yes, you did. I did. So you guys are, if you look at the map that Joe's got up on Twitch there, um, you guys are coming in from the west now. Everything was kind of, I know you were going west, but everything's kind of twisting and turning. Um, so you ended up kind of coming through switchbacks and various um, various mountain passes. You find yourself coming from the west, which is kind of at the top left of the uh, map there. And uh, you come down this road. You can see the Black Creek Wood on your left, um, which, you know, if you've ever driven through Appalachia in the evening, uh, the woods can be dark and foreboding at the best of times. But this is a particularly tangled, deep 
and menacing section of uh, wood. And uh, it's on your left as you come into town. You cross a bridge to get into the town. And uh, one of the things you notice as you cross the bridge is that beneath you is an obvious uh, stream that used to run through, which you assume is perhaps Blackwater Creek, the titular Blackwater Creek. But uh, it's it's totally dry now, dry as bone. And once you go over that creek bed, that dried up creek bed, you end up in downtown Blackwater, as it were. If you look on the map, there's a little magnifying glass in the bottom right, which shows you what is in Blackwater Creek as you pull up. Uh, there is a store on your right. There is a couple little shacks on either side of the store. Across the way, the biggest building in town, the fanciest building in town by far, is the church. Everything else is basically just a wooden shack. There's what looks like a schoolhouse off to the side. Um, and then there is a couple other houses on your left as you come into town. It's probably about... Seven o'clock in the evening at this point, it's summer, so um, it's still fairly light out, but you can tell that you're you're losing daylight. Well, boys, I think we stop in the store and uh, see how fast we can get to those Carmody's. Do we want to make it to the Carmody's at nighttime? Is that when we want to arrive? Well, <laughs> if it's so. a quick if it's a quick drive, we don't know. Uh, sure. Oh, we got a map. That looks pretty far away. <laughs> park the park the hearse in front of Baxter's store, uh, which I'm assuming is the general store, and uh, you know head to the door to see one if they're open. If they're not open, I just kind of peek my head around to see if anybody's inside. Yeah, what did I say that guy's name was earlier? Bill John Merritt. Bill something. Oh, Bill Bill Bill. I think it was Bill Abong. Bill Jones. Bill Jones. Bill Jones. Bill Jones. Bill Jones. If uh, if that's not what I said. It's retconned as Bill Jones. It's Bill Jones. Yeah. Uh, he, he is. He's sitting in there. You kind of, you, you go into the store. Yeah. 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 If it's, if it's open, if it's open, I, I go okay. in. If it's not, I would not. Yeah. It, it, the door's open. Uh, everybody knows each other around here. You walk in and you kind of get the sense that uh, Bill probably lives. This is probably Bill's uh, general store and also house uh, that you've walked into. Um, there is a few shelves which have various uh, sundries on them, uh, foods, and uh, maybe some, you know, things that you would need for cooking oil, water, um, canned foods, and uh, not too much to it. Pretty spare general store. And uh, back in the back of the store, you can see that there is uh, like a little cot, which you imagine is probably where Bill lives. And sleeps at night. But he's sitting behind the counter right now. Seems kind of like a place where he hangs out during the day. He's not doing too much. Uh, we'll say he's reading the newspaper. So uh, now they get the newspaper here. So uh, Yaps kind of go, goes up to the front front desk and, uh, you know, knocks on, knocks on the desk. Yaps Flannery. Bill, I'll tell you what. We came a long way from Prestonsburg and we're here to pick up one of the Carmody bodies. Somebody died up there at that farm and apparently their body needs to be in Prestonburg and they're paying us a good amount of money to be here. Question is, it's getting late. I don't think we need to be making a night call here in a grieving family's just darkest hour. 
We're looking for a place to stay. We're looking for a little bit to eat. And maybe, and maybe, just a little bit of that white lightning I've heard about. (laughs) Or coffee if you got it. And one coffee for the weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, well, give me a fast talk roll. Okay, I have a question. So I have smooth talk as one of my abilities, and it says I add a die to charm checks. Is this a charm check? Uh... I get. Do you have a charm skill, or is it? You do have a charm skill. Oh yeah, you put points in that. Um, are you trying to charm? No, I'm not trying to charm. But that's what that goes for. Okay. For some reason, I give me a. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. For some reason, in my mind, I was thinking like perception, intimidation are all charm skills. Um. But obviously, charm is its own thing, so that's fine. Um. But fast talking is what I'm trying to use to set up a deception. Um, of why we're here um, and not deceiving what we actually need, which is a place to stay, some food, and a drink. Okay. Um, so, give me... I'm just trying to think if I want to make this hard or extremely hard. Uh, give me a... Uh, <laughs> give me an extremely hard uh, fast talk roll. Here we go. So, extremely hard, I need to beat an go. 18. 13, let's go, baby! Did you really? Yes. Nice. Wow. He goes, one of the Carmody's died? Maybe one of their pigs. It's not a good scene up there. Blood and just sadness everywhere, from what we were told. That's why there's there's three of us. Well, normally that'd be something I'd hear about. They live just up the way. Who died? Big fat guy. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, and so real quick, I, I, I nudge, who, um, I nudge uh, Cuddy, who got the names of the people. And I said, uh, this is, uh, um, I was going to say our eulogist, but that's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is our r- religiosity guy. And Preacher. What, what Preacher. my friend here is trying to say, Bill, is uh, John Merritt, we passed him on our way out. He said that uh, he hadn't seen Damien or Brandon in quite a while. It Might it be one of them gentlemen who has passed away? He says, well, they called y'all down here but didn't tell you who died? No, they just told us there was a body that needed to be picked up. That's, I mean, that's not unusual for us. I'm not going to lie, when I pulled you in, I really thought you were just going to commit to one of the names that we knew. <laughs> I really thought you were just going to say, bang, one of the names. He says, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I Mayo, know. Was, John, was John, you think John Mayer was wrong? Is John, is John Mayer one? Call you? No, but John, we passed John. John was taking a two-headed pig up to Corbin. Well, and, uh, that sounds well, about right. He, he just said he hadn't seen Damien or Brandon. I don't know if, if anything uh, untoward has happened to Damien or Brandon. They might still be alive. It might be a different body we're picking up. I don't know. And he says, well, I tell you, I'd have thought I would have heard about it if Damien or Brandon died. That certainly would be news. But I will confess I haven't seen either one of them in quite some time. So, uh... Well, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> he said, all right, then. I believe those things you just said to me. Um, You're damn right. How about that coffee? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> coffee, you say. Um, well, there might be a can of coffee over there on the shelf. Run you five cents. Oh, all right. I'll go check it out. You go check out the check out the coffee can. It's the most like decrepit, ancient-looking, dusty coffee you've ever seen. And there's no coffee-making apparatus in sight. I don't know if you have some of that in your chemistry set. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, you probably chew the coffee beans, don't you? You're a weirdo. Yeah, I'll just chew them. <laughs> I'll just... Like a cinnamon challenge, just a spoonful <laughs> of coffee. Now, now, Bill, I, I do got a couple questions. Uh, John met... You know, you know, passing had mentioned that there'd been some, you know, weird stuff going on around, uh, around here for about six months or so. Uh, do you know anything about that? Do I ever? Just seems like things keep getting worse and worse in Blackwater. The pig, you saw the pig. Yep. John Med also mentioned something about a cow with more legs than it should have. Cow with more legs than it ought to be. Stillborn calves. Siamese calves. Uh, chickens that just ain't right. Uh, Hold, when you say chickens that just ain't right, are you saying that there are roosters that are laying eggs? Well, no, i never seen a rooster lay an egg. That's the truth. Oh, signs and wonders. I wouldn't be surprised if I did what's been going on around here. You ever milk a chicken? Well, I don't think you can milk a chicken. But I can't say as I'd ever tried. <laughs> can milk anything with nipples, Greg. <laughs> milk anything with nipples, Greg. <laughs> I'm the doctor, I know. Bill, is there is there somewhere here in town where we could stay the night? That way, uh, maybe we you know, give the comedies a chance to sleep tonight and maybe wander up there in the morning. Well, we ain't got the Ritz Carlton around here. I'll tell you that much. Um, uh, well, well, Bill, we only really need a room for two. Slicer here sleeps in the hearse in the coffin. Sounds like it's more like a Shits Carlton. Am I right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got him. That fruit was low-hanging. <laughs> well, a room for two is just about a quarter of all the space in the whole town. Um, you might could check here? out, well, in this downtown area that you are in right now, thank you, um, you might could check out uh, Old Widow Hawkins' shack. Come to think of it, speaking of people I haven't seen in quite some time, she used to put up lodgers. Widow, you, you say? You could head up to the Jarvis farm. It's just down the way from the Carmody farm. I would not bother the Carmody's at night, or to be quite frank, ever. But <laughs> if you insist on that course of action... um, the Jarvis Farm is up round Carmody Way. You'll get there before you get to their place. Um, they're real nice folks. They might be able to put you up in a barn. While uh, while Bill is going through his uh, telling telling us where, where to go, the farm sounds like the place to be for Yaps. So Yaps kind of pitches that idea back to the guys as he's picking up uh, the least expired cans of food that are on the shelves, uh, along with the the coffee for. Slicer to purchase from uh, okay. from Bill. 
So this this is all a grand total of like four cents worth of food in 1920s money. Um, uh, you pay for all that, and he says, uh, "Well, uh, I guess good luck to you boys. Uh, give the Carmodies my condolences." Well, do Bill, and he walks out to the uh, to the hearse, tosses the the coffee over to uh, and one of the cans of food to Slicer, one of the cans of food to to Cuddy. And uh, just turns to him. I say we we head up to who is it the the neighbor's farm? The Jarvis. The the, the, the Jarvis farm. Now, yaps. Are we sure we don't want to check in on the widow? Maybe see if she's got room available for the night. This place is giving me the absolute willies, my boy. I do not want to <laughs> stay here any longer than we have to, and I don't want to meet any more people than we have to. Fair enough. You 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 got the lead. I just drive the car, my boy. Before uh, before you decide who drives the car, you're walking out towards the hearse, which is kind of parked in the middle of that circle in town. And uh, as you walk up from behind the hearse, around where uh, the map says Sprouston Shack, uh, three guys round the uh, <laughs> round the car, and two of them kind of. Average-looking toughs, tall guys, skinny. Uh, I'll say that uh, each of them's holding like a a bat or a two by four piece of wood, and the front guy, huge man, big big man, who could only be described perhaps as jowly, very jowly, walks up. And uh, he says, Evening, boys. Dick Sprouston, I don't believe we've been acquainted. And as you look over Dick Sprouston as he walks up to you, you see that very casually, down by his knees, he is uh, visibly and intentionally visibly holding a loaded double-barreled shotgun. This ain't going to go well. <laughs> 